to go. Mona Sabani, welcome to the Edge broadcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. All right. Well, you know, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, and that's uh, spirituality. Uh, and I guess the question of whether or not spiritual phenomena exist, maybe we'll delve into that pretty deeply tonight with you. You've got your, your book on the subject, and uh, I think that looking into spiritual phenomena is it sort of an, an exciting thing to do because you, I mean, it, that entails a whole group of different things as far as that goes. Could be uh, angelic visitations, it could be ghosts. It, I mean, that that's a big circle, and there's a lot of things in there. But uh, uh, Mona Sabani, before we get going, why don't you sort of introduce yourself to the Edge audience? Yeah, sure. I'm um, a cognitive neuroscientist by training, and then I had just a series of life events that made me reevaluate my worldview. <laughs> and I um, kind of write about the process of, you know, changing my beliefs, flipping my worldview and reading a lot of different books and finding evidence um, that helped me get there. All of that's in the book hmm. that I wrote. <laughs> okay. So the, the was, was it a, uh, was there a tipping point of spiritual activity happening to you that you said, well, i got to put this stuff in a book? Or, or how did that kind of get to that point? It's um, So it's nothing exciting, like you mentioned, okay. like angel visits or ghosts, because I also, I, I never want to see like an entity. I feel like I would freak out. Mm -hmm. um, but no, for me, it was, I'm Persian. So in our culture, we have um, a, like in our cultural heritage, we have a tradition of, of divination. You can use, you know, anything for that, like tarot or um, other things. But in our family, my grandmother used to use uh, coffee grounds, this like special kind of coffee. It's not like, like American coffee um, that you drink it, you leave the grounds in the cup, you flip it, and then it, you let it dry. And there's pictures that emerge. And if you're lucky to have an, a someone who's like a good intuitive reader like my grandmother was um they can like tell you about your past present and future and so my mom learned this from her mom and this has always been going on in our house uh or in our you know all of our family parties and uh family gatherings and so I never paid attention to it because I was um well first of all because it was just kind of there and I never really thought about it but um when my when I was in grad school, my mom started um, making it for me, and then she would absentmindedly read it and tell me things, and I didn't really pay attention, but then over time, I noticed that the things that she said would come true, and I couldn't explain it with my science. I mean, <laughs> we don't have explanations for those things. We don't learn about those things when mm -hmm. we're getting trained, mm -hmm. um, but it, you know, I kind of took notes for like over 10 years and just observed uh, and just kind of was just curious like oh does it you know what are the factors that influence it of course like i'm a scientist so i'm like what are the variables that influence it mm -hmm. and I, I yeah i just noticed that it came true and um i guess i never bothered to think about it more deeply um i just kept it separate from my science for a long time but then i had two huge um emotional events in my life that my mom had force um foreseen coming and those were tipping points. And so they were, um, one of them was that she, and like usually she doesn't, she tries to downplay if she sees something negative. Um, but this one, she was like, I feel like I need to tell you, I think you're going to get some really bad news. And she kept seeing it for weeks and weeks. Um, and fi finally, 
I found out that one of my professors that I had worked with um, on one of the experiments in my dissertation, he was killed by one of the students in our program. And so it was like a really unusual event that happened. Uh, I mean, obviously, I, th these things are not common, um, but, but the whole thing was really unusual and upsetting, obviously. Um, and so that was the first thing that really shook me and upset me because I was like, how could, because it was a it was a death, it was different than any of the other readings. It was like, you know, it was more about life and death. And so I was like, how could this information be out there in the universe? Like, and how can some people access it? And if it was out there, does, does that mean it was his fate or destiny? You know, like I, and I had never thought about those things before, but it really upset me, <laughs> like was on my mind, but I didn't do anything about it because I was, I was too busy. Um, I had a new job and, you know, just life. So then the second, a few years later, she saw this relationship coming into my life. And I was, I guess, uh, looking back now, not that happy <laughs> with the way things were going. So I kind of put a lot of hope on this relationship. And she, my mom kind of said, like, it'll, it looks like it'll be, you know, good. Like, it'll be positive. It'll be like a positive outcome. Um, anyway, we broke up. So in my mind, that was not positive. <laughs> and I was upset that I was first of all I was like why were you wrong um and I was like did something change um and then since I had placed much hope on that once I was gone I was I felt really lost and like um you know I felt despair for the first time and mm -hmm. and like it was my dark night of the soul and I was really sad for a long time and it wasn't just it wasn't really about the relationship because I realized I'm too sad like it doesn't mm -hmm. correlate <laughs> the amount of sadness mm -hmm. doesn't correlate with um the ending of the relationship really or like the substance of it so I was like what else is going on um but you know as these things go it took me a while to get there <laughs> to the self part um and so in the meantime I focused on what are these readings like what is the information how is it out there how can certain people access it um and are there things <clears throat> excuse me such as fate or destiny um and so that's how it started. That's how I kind of got curious about it. Is uh, is, um, uh, is your mom still with you? Yes. She read the book? Mm -hmm. And what's she think? <laughs> um, she's, yeah, she's open to all of it. I mean, it's really interesting because I found on this journey that I've been on that people kind of not arbitrarily, but they have their reasons. They draw about like lines and boundaries about around what they believe. Mm -hmm. So she always, she never takes the reading seriously. And she always, if she does, she only does readings for friends and family, but she always says it's entertainment or don't take it too seriously. Um, you know, like it has like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like sometimes um, if I would have a really dark, it's like if I had a dark cup or if I saw something bad, it would make me feel bad. And she's like, and then the, that is showing up also. So it's like a cycle. And so she's like, never take it seriously. Don't let it affect you. Um, and she's, so she stands by that. When I started reading about later, I got into reading about past lives, uh, past lives, reincarnation, um, you know, more Eastern philosophies. And I would tell her about that. And she kind of does, doesn't, believe in that so she would just be like okay well maybe you know <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like a nice understanding but she's not like yeah but she does um you know she's spiritual so i think she believes more um traditional mm -hmm. i mean when, I don't when, even you, know. when, you, when you say reading reading what 
Um, so I, and my journey started with the past life regression literature. So I started reading uh, Brian, Dr. Brian Weiss's books and Dr. Michael Newton and Roger Wolger. So I started with those books um, for just kind of coincidentally, like I, it ended up in my hands and I read it. And then because it was written by a psychiatrist, um, Many Lives, Many Masters was the first book that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brian Weiss is like a, you know, well-credentialed, went to Yale and Columbia and I was kind of a science snob. So I was like, okay, like I, I believe him. <laughs> like if I had read another, I feel, you know, I was kind of, I wasn't, I was not into the stuff at all. So the book fell in my hands. I read it and I was like, what am I reading? And it confused me because he was a psychiatrist and, but that's what got my attention. And I was like, well, this is interesting. Um, And so I dug in to read all that literature, which late, and then later on I got interested in, well, actually I started interviewing people and somebody handed me a huge reading list and they're like, there's been a lot of scientific, um, you know, research done on psychic phenomena. I don't know if you're aware. And then they gave me mm-hmm. this huge reading list that I had to go off and read. So, well, well, uh, well I- Mona, you're uh, obviously uh, well credentialed. Um, science is, isn't science, the nature of science require a truth, a, a, a thing to be repeatable in, in order to be accepted and that's yeah. kind of the, one of the philosophies there, but but um, the the idea that the the Big Bang theory is so entrenched in all levels of education is not repeatable. Um, true. Climate change is not repeatable. We might be going through it, but it's not repeatable. It's just accepted that that is, so it doesn't. It seem that there's a whole litany of science declarations and affirmations i mean including uh the declaration we won't get into it too much that uh uh in the in the very beginnings two years ago a mask was going to stop a certain thing you know science declared that so science is always making these declarations by all these credentialed uh researchers and academics only to find out later so how is it that spiritual phenomena doesn't get the same pass as far as not being repeatable in many cases. Yeah, I think that um, the reason is because our, at least in Western culture, the foundation of really our whole worldview, but particularly the scientific worldview, is that... um, is that mind and body and um, are separate and that the physical world is made of matter and that, yeah, like as you said, anything um, that is real is something that we can measure, that we can, is um, reproducible, that, you know, that we can make a law out of, that we can come to predict, to predict mm-hmm. and control. Um, and because of that, this all happened, emerged from the Enlightenment, the scientific revolution, because of that separation of religion and science. Um, and because of that time, like we, you know, we had all these advancements in science and suddenly we were able to measure um, and predict things and create technologies that made us feel like we could control our environments and control things. Um, and because of that, there's just been this continued emphasis. Like we've confused technological advancement for what science is, but it's not that. The scientific method is, as you mentioned, it's just you measure you observe, you stay open-minded, um, and then you, you, you know, continue to see what emerges. But spirituality, um, 
spiritual phenomena is elusive and hard to measure. And a lot of times it is hypocritical because for on the one hand, everything comes through our consciousness. Like even if I'm measuring temperature in a water, temperature of water in a test tube, I'm still perceiving that. Mm -hmm. But that when it comes to like, I'm telling you, I saw a figure, you know, like whatever, an angel Mm -hmm. came and visited me. um, Then science will be like, oh no, you perceived that wrong. Mm. Then we put less emphasis Mm. on perception. We don't trust perception. It's kind of like saying every, in the beginning, in the, in the seventies and eighties, any, UFO sighting was swamp gas. I, I can't believe that yeah. was that was a thing for so many years. They went for, and then yeah. they had to go. Yeah. Then he went. I mean, remember the the, the Stevensville uh, UFO craft. It's well documented. So I'm not just bringing stuff up, but it was in Texas, Stevensville, Texas, by hundreds of witnesses, preachers, doctors, lawyers, ranchers, people who have no interest in getting into the news said they saw it and. Uh, said it was about a mile wide. I remember got gaslit on that one when they said, "Oh, uh, that was a reflection of another plane." Right. Now yeah. I don't know how you go from reflection to a mile wide craft blocking out the stars. I don't know. You know, this is gaslighting. So when science doesn't have an answer, you know you're going to get gaslit. Um, but That's true. but now here would disqualify for science because I I, I at one point I. Um, I was contacted by some people that had the, the house was haunted, different things were going on there. So I went over there and different things happened. So to me, is, isn't that repeatable? Yeah. Well, you know how these things go. Sometimes they, sometimes they do and they don't. And um, I think it's a confluence of factors too, because it, with everything, let's say a scientist went over to investigate that they would first go to um, try to find a physical explanation because that's the worldview, because that's what most of Western mainstream worldview and Western science is based on is physical science. So they'll first start, try to find an explanation like, you know, I don't know, the electromagnetic field is stronger here for some Mm -hmm. reason and it's messing up everyone's perception or something. Mm -hmm. So that's why they go to physical things first. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is, um, I mean, we don't get funded for this kind of stuff. I mean, it's hard to even find a scientist to go look into this because the reputation is going to be hit, but also there's no funding for this. Mm -hmm. So, yes, if it was looked at more seriously, which Mm -hmm. I think it should be, um, I think that that we would be able to. There is is a case of the Skinwalker Ranch, and the Skinwalker Ranch was investigated by the military. It was investigated by two billionaires that bought it and, and brought the most expensive equipment and highest highly trained uh, investigators to it and they've all de- declared there's uh, UFO activity there there was cattle mutilations there yeah. they had cameras looking at other cameras and the and the camera looking at the other cameras was destroyed overnight and by the way you know just destroyed and the camera looking right at it and didn't see anything. So, I mean, th- to me, they s- had scientifically proven that we're either one, not alone in this universe, or two, there's spiritual phenomena. I don't know if, if uh, UFOs qualify or in one case, particular case, they said that uh, a portal opened up in the middle of a field and a, an entity walked book. out. Uh, and then there's people that claim there that was there, that something followed them home and was throwing bottles around in their apartment. 
So would that qualify as spiritual phenomena? That's, I mean, that's a good question. I, I, I don't, in my mind, label things with words anymore. That may sound really weird. <laughs> but after doing all this reading, like about these kinds of concepts, um, I think because I spent so much time trying to think about, well, is psychic phenomena spiritual? Or like, what is the definition mm -hmm. of spiritual? And I just gave up, basically. And I just accepted that there are things beyond language that it's hard. I know we have to put language to it to talk about it. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. And, you know, it's funny because I spoke to some of those people when I was doing my interviews who were involved with Skinwalker and I read the book. Um, and I asked them that question a lot because I was mostly interested in the spiritual stuff. And, and I was like, I don't care about UFOs. I don't know why they keep, you know, why, why do we have to talk about this? And like, and they were trying to tell me, they're like, it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> like mm -hmm. it's all the same. And I'm like, I just don't understand. But um, yeah, so I don't know. So I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know that anyone knows. I think that um, I think that we use language because it's convenient mm -hmm. for us, but I think that these things are beyond language. All right, we have this question from Neil. It says, Mona, do you believe that there are two gods in biblical scripture? I I don't know. <laughs> I'm well, not. I've, I can I can say after 23 years of doing this, I've never had I never asked that question or never that question never came across the wire. All right, here's another one. Uh, this is from the Rose. So, what do you think about neuro rights? N e u r o rights. Neuro rights? Yeah. I'm not sure what that is, actually. You know, I don't know what that is either. Hopefully, Rose, you can explain that a little bit better than that because I do have to ask these questions. All right. Kentucky Girl says, uh, do you know about Dr. Carolyn Leaf? And if so, what do you think of her work? I'm not familiar. What What does she focus on? Okay. Uh, well, and then Kentucky Girl, if you want, you want to <laughs> focus yeah. that a little little bit there, we, we, get, we need to make sure that we know how to ask our questions to get a good answer. By the way, Mona, we have uh, a uh, poll question up on our website there. Uh, says, how much spiritual activity is happening in your life? So let's go, And the choices they have are none at all, happens every day, can't tell what's happening, and does demonic activity count? So let's check the results. All right. 87% of the people who watched this show and took this poll say that they have spiritual activity happening every day. 12% says none at all. Uh, to the nunners, to the non-believers, the naysayers, Mona, do you say what? Well, I think everyone has their own journey. And I think the more open you are, I think the more you open to the, I call it the universe, the more open you are to the universe, the more it, it's open to, it opens to you. Um, but I also think people have different points in their journey i mean yeah like you can't force people to be open to anything that they don't want to be open to and you know maybe in time it'll become important to them and they'll open to it but it's also not for everyone maybe although it does make you healthier to have okay so, so in your life. Did, did i hear you say did you say that you 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 don't use labels or you don't make declarative statements which one did you say oh i um, try not to label. Uh, well, I mean, I I do it, but in my head, I don't think of them as like this is spiritual, this is not. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, I mean, with with today's culture, I mean, it just came to my mind because there's sort of this cultural battle going on out there. So, if, if you see um, a, 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 another woman 
do you say to yourself, that's a woman or you refrain? Oh, no, yeah. I, I don't mean with everything. I oh, meant okay. with this, um, these deeper truths, these deeper uh, universes. Uh, deeper truths, deeper truths. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. the question because here, 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 as I said, I've been doing this for about 23 years and had thousands of guests, whatever. And I think this is the longest running show on the internet because it's 2003. Okay. I, I challenge all the other people that interviewed you because I looked at them <laughs> how long their show's been on the, how long their show's been going. But anyway, um, so truth. I, I've heard over time from different guests and, and different fears that, Everyone has a truth, or everyone can has their own truth type of thing. Is there a singular truth? Because is it not true that if a person's truth say that the the sun is green, that is their truth, and another one says it's yellow or gold, whatever it really is, <laughs> uh, they both say that's my truth. But th is it true that they're both true, or can only one can that sun only be one color? And I'm using that for all topics of truth yeah how can it be truth if somebody if different people have different truths how could anything be truth yeah that's a really philosophical deep question but i could say from a um <laughs> i'm like thinking of how to answer it mm -hmm. but from a science perspective um I mean, so if you like there's we all have different we all perceive our world through our five or six or however mm -hmm. many senses that we mm -hmm. have. Okay. And so it's um, but some people don't have certain um, color receptors right um, mm -hmm. in their eyes or like their hearing is not as good as other people or whatever. Like these are obvious examples. Um, and so I think the way that traditionally, and this actually goes back to your first question of why science is this. So like, I think the Western worldview kind of converged on, hey, let's just agree that the thing that's the most common or that's the average, that's the most frequently reported is probably the truth. Um, and then, but in actuality, I mean, everyone perceives the world differently. And even in, in neuroscience, I wrote about this in the book a little bit. Um, everyone's reality is super different from each other's because the, our brain mm -hmm. is predicting every second of, of it's using your past experiences, right. your personality, your family um, to predict how something's going to come out. And and it drives your behavior in that way. And so everyone's reality is different already in that way. We, we, you know, mm -hmm. we perceive events. Oh, my God. The best example is if you ever listen to, like, true crime, which I love true crime stories, and they interview a bunch of people around one event, and everyone's explanation is totally different, right? And they'll be like, oh, he was like he was being really suspicious in the corner and then someone else would be like, no, he was, you know, he was laughing and having a good time. So everyone's perceptions are different. Um, so there is no easy answer to that question. I think we're just doing the best. Mm -hmm. I've thought about that a lot too, because I think that the, um, I do think the universe is participatory and I feel like um, you do get more of what you believe. Okay. I think uh, the, to the earlier question, somebody said that, do you believe in psychology through neuroscience? I guess maybe that might, might have been the, the Carolyn Leaf thing. Uh, psychology through neuroscience. Um, yeah, well, I am a neuroscientist, so yes, I do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think that it's the best model that we have for thinking about our behavior. So, so you're just the person I want to ask this question to, being a neuroscientist, as you are, and fully accredited, by the way, at the, the most prestigious universities. 
Um, where do dreams come from? Um, do you want the neuroscience answer or? <laughs> well, give, I'll tell you what. Give me give me the neuroscientist answer, and then give me the 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 Moni, the Mona Sabani uh, the proof answer. of spiritual phenomena answer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, dreams come from. Um, I, neuroscience actually doesn't know where dreams come from. We don't have an answer to that, but we believe that it's your brain clean, cleaning up neural connections and getting rid of things you don't need and kind of like reviewing things that you are thinking about maybe in your subconscious or things that have happened in your day. And for whatever reason, they, you know, emerge in this hodgepodge at night. But the truth is we don't really know. Um, but I think, and I think dreams are that because um, I actually, uh, I keep a dream journal. I watch my dreams very closely because sometimes I have precognitive dreams. So sometimes I think that, um, I think there are deeper levels of our reality or like other levels that our five senses can't perceive, but that are there. And so I think sometimes in your, in any altered state of consciousness, which can include sleeping, I think that sometimes we have access to those realms. Is it possible dreams come from uh, outside? Yeah, from outside where? From outside uh, of yourself, yourself, outside of yourself. Um, I mean, you're still perceiving it, so it's coming through you. But I guess if your consciousness is um, multi-dimensional, then I guess yeah, I guess it could be coming from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, this is a, a sort of religious question somebody just put in here. Uh, do you believe that Jesus lived and is still alive? I do not have uh, any, I don't know. <laughs> the, kind, the, kind, the, the way you framed that, the way you said that kind of remind me of Jodie Foster in Contact when they asked, uh, do you believe in God? And she goes, well, uh, as a scientist, I, I can't say there's conclusive Evidence right, either yeah. way, you know. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think my answer to did, everything. <laughs> do you claim that answer? Will you accept that as a reasonable answer? Yeah, for your, exactly. from yourself. Okay. I mean, I really There's, don't. I haven't really thought about it. Okay. <laughs> I well, I, well, I mean, that gets back to spiritual phenomena and spiritual proof. Uh, some people say that the the that Jesus uh, accepting him into their life had changed their life completely. I mean, that's uh, certainly a. a, a uh, a part of uh, rehabilitation in prisons, uh, and uh, yeah. the, there there is data. We're talking about data here. I mean, Jody Foster mm -hmm. said there's not data either way. Well, there is data that says that recidivism, if I can say that right, I'm a cowboy, so I can slip up with words, you see, because uh, I've spent a lot of time at the range roping cows and stuff. So, but anyway, um, I can tell um, that the, the uh, recidivism is much less for those who are going to the church inside and reading the Bible. There is there's there is absolute actionable proof there. Wouldn't that qualify in, in the scientific terms that there is something to that name or the belief in that name? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I briefly mentioned earlier, and it's true, I think um, there's a lot of scientific evidence. There's a lot of report, um, sorry, um, scientific evidence that spirituality improves health and well-being. Mm -hmm. So belief in something and trusting and having faith, it seems to like lower our stress and anxiety and, you know, improve our behavior, um, improve our feelings of connection with each other and with society more broadly. So yeah. I do think so. I do mm -hmm. believe in um, archetypes. And when I was um, interviewing some of the 
people for my book, I remember one of the um, intuitives that I interviewed, she told me one time, she's like, oh, I've, I've seen Jesus. And then I was like, oh, are you Christian? Um, and she's like, no, I'm Jewish. <laughs> she's like, and I don't even, she's like, I never believed in Jesus. She's like, I didn't even think about it, but I've seen him. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I believe in archetypal um things like that. Mm-hmm. So so it seems that for uh, in the in that realm that there in 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 human um the the human the human condition itself has some void maybe that's built into it and that maybe this interaction in researching into spiritual things which would include bible of course uh is filling is is going into that space, making that person more a complete person, probably even I dare say a better person, one who's got more empathy for others and the conditions of the poor. Certainly, um, it, when you look at all the illegal immigrants coming into the country, it is a religious organizations that are supplying the aid uh, and and taking these people in by by and large. Not all I men. Certainly, there's some you know, sort of atheistic, neutral government type, non, you know, right. non-spiritual yeah. organizations as well. But by and large, it's those that have a, a, a faith-centric belief and all these people are getting help because of it. So it, that's what I can say. It seemed like it, it, there's, a, it, there's, it, there's something there that yeah. uh, some round peg that goes into a round hole that's in the human soul or the spirit that makes that right. person more complete. So therefore... I feel it's wise to research into spiritual phenomena like you have you have done. Now, so you, you, I think you kind of said that you nothing really particularly spiritual has happened to you. You're just uh, as a scientist saying that it the spiritual phenomena exists. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, well, besides, I've but had... your but your mom's story, I think that was your progenitor to get you heading right. in the right direction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kicked it off. Well, I'm trying to think if I've had any, um, um, I mean, I had one, I mean, if you want a story. Yeah, that's true. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had, um, so this is actually before my transformation. Um, this is before I started reading anything. This was right in the middle of the dark night of the soul where I was like, just really sad and isolating myself. And one particularly dark night, um, when I, was wishing that I wasn't alive. Oh. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I think I fell asleep on, I fell asleep on my bed, but um, I, I hadn't like gone to bed. Like I had just fallen asleep. Okay. And then I woke up to somebody saying my name very loudly in my ear. Like it was like someone was in the room with me mm-hmm. and it was like a beautiful voice. And um, they kind of said it in like a, you know, I, I don't know how to explain the way they said it, but it was just like a Mona, like get up. And um, I, I like shot, I woke up cause I thought someone was in the room with me. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, this is weird. I got up. And then the first thought I had was that was an angel and I was not spiritual. I was not religious. I didn't believe in angels at all. Um, but it, and it all kind of happened in that like between wake and sleep state. And I just kind of woke up and I was like, 
what the, what, what was that? And I, and then I went to bed, but in the morning I called my mom and you know, my mom is spiritual in that way. So I told her and she was like, yeah, that was an angel. And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I didn't believe it, but I was like, but it was weird. It was weird. Cause it was very loud. It's never happened to me before. Mm-hmm. It's never happened to me since. Mm-hmm. And it was like a very dark night, but it did kind of wake me up and you know, it, it was kind of like a emotional nudge to mm-hmm. stop. Well, it, it, it went, you're kind of describing what happens to to people that have near death experiences. Many of them are uh, that I've read and had on the show began as non spiritual, non believing type. Uh, you know, even rabid people that have described themselves. My guests have described themselves as rabid atheists. You know, and would mock anybody that, that demonstrated any level of faith, uh, antagonistic toward them. But then they had a near death experience. So, and I and I'm thinking, well, if I've got to learn something myself. I'd rather not have a near-death experience because it's near and it may go all the way. You know, you might not come back, so you better get it right. Better get this thing right now. When you're on this side of, of of the ground, you know, because you you may not have a, a chance that way. But no, so traumatic events. I mean, even even accidents uh, may be the the director of us sort of awakening. From our slumber that, you know, that, hey, you know, I got to go to work, I got to go to Walmart, I got to pay my bills, and that's your life, and then you check out. I mean, I'm thinking that there's a whole lot more going on here, and uh, so I would let, I'd rather a kinder, gentler wake-up call myself, but I feel like right. if, if I'm looking, now that's, uh, I think I told this to the guest last week, if, uh, you know, if you're making bad links in your life that follow you into eternity, bad decisions and, and, and bad behavior, it's best to correct them now. You know, so you don't have that on on the other side. But anyway, you said in the first hour in your in your opening, uh, from you're from uh, uh, you're Persian, right? Yeah. Now, now, are they the ones that believe in the jinn? Um. Or is or is that, I, or is that? Uh, I don't know actually, but I think that's Arab Arab culture. Arabic Arab culture, culture. Okay. 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 Well then, all right. So, do <laughs> Persians have a sort of belief like that? Like in, uh, do they have a, I guess, I guess in the Protestant world that, you know, they, they have angels, the yeah. Arabics have <laughs> said it's not the right term. <laughs> so That's a really but, good uh, question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Iran got um, infiltrated by the Arab invasion, like in the early, I don't know, 600, I don't know, like, hmm. I'm really bad with history. I don't know years, whatever. But whenever the mm-hmm. um, they got invaded, and then Islam came, and um, and so I think that it's. But it's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually um, originally Persians were Zoroastrians, and I now want to go back and learn about Zoroastrianism because I feel like that's our true um, heritage. So I don't actually know. I wish I knew. But I will tell you one of the intuitives that I interviewed, that same one that told me she saw Jesus, mm-hmm. she said she's seen jinns before. And I didn't I didn't know what that meant. I was like, what do you, what's a jinn? And she's like, you know, like a genie. <laughs> okay. I was like, okay. All right. Th- this is from our moderator. Do you believe that acting happy, even if you may not be, can cause your life to become happier and more fulfilling? I think in some ways, yes, but I think that if you, which all of us do, have underlying and deep-rooted 
traumas or sadnesses, like we hang on to these emotions, Mm -hmm. they're there. They're like in our nervous systems. Um, And so true happiness, true peace and true fulfillment until you can express those and get, you know, work through those things. um, Mm -hmm. I don't think you can have true personally. Um, But I do think acting um, happy, um, you know, I think it, I think, of course, people will respond to you in a better way. Like they'll treat you nicer. I think mm-hmm. in in certain scenarios, it can help you be happier for sure. Yeah. All right, uh, this is from Bear. He gives a he, he is a uh, he brings us what we call the Bear Report just before a guest comes on, and uh, he brings us good news of the week. And uh, we like to say he brings us our good news booster shot because everybody needs a, a booster shot of good news in this in this life. But here's a question for you: he says Mona, being a neuroscientist. If you could do any experiment, what would it be and what would you be trying to learn? Mm, you know, I'm really interested in, um, are, are you familiar with psychedelics at all? <laughs> uh, well, I, ha- I haven't ingested any lately, but I think we actually have a question on that coming up. So let's get into oh, it. Okay. What about psych- psychedelics? Yeah. Um, well, I've been really into psychedelics because they're one of those altered states that I mentioned that mm-hmm. um, allow, I, I love altered states of consciousness because for me, they're where the spiritual and the paranormal and the personal healing all happen. So in those states, you can have all these things occur to you. And so um, there, there's a certain psychedelic called DMT, dimethyltryptamine, yeah, right. and that one is short, fast-acting, you know, you smoke a 20-minute high, but it's one that blows you into another, somewhere else, <laughs> another consciousness, and a lot of times there, people report encountering aliens, elves, angels, fairies, jinns, gnomes, mm-hmm. um, and so, and and communicating with them and getting information from them. But a lot of times they're bringing, you know, messages of, of love for humanity and um, messages to take better care of the earth. Um, but if I could, and I actually think somebody's going to do this study at university of college London, if it gets funded, mm-hmm. but I would be really interested to explore that space with those entities. Mm-hmm. I think that would yeah, be really I, interesting. I, I, we had guests on the show that did that. And you uh, so had a guest that went down to South America to a tribe, and, but some of them report though, Mona, that like giant spiders are crawling around too. Now that's, the cowboy don't like spiders, okay? Can't can't can't, can't deal with that. So, man, I'm I may not I may stay away from it just for that. Giant spiders crawling around, man. I you know there's yeah. that Lord of the Rings scene where that giant spider comes out oh, yeah. and wraps him up and jacks him. Yeah. Man, I don't want that happening to me. Yeah, I don't blame you. And you never know what you're gonna get on a psychedelic trip, honestly. <laughs> um, neuroscientists have determined that the brain is programmed to seek what it experiences the most. So if you act happy. The more, if you act happy more than unhappy, the brain will seek out happiness. It's kind of, I, I, I kind of, I kind of want to attract happiness to myself. Uh, I don't want to attract unhappiness, but some people, um, I see them in public, and, and my determination is, I wouldn't say I, I judge them, but I, I evaluate the circumstance and behavior, and I come to the conclusion that they are trying to exhibit that they are happy when I can tell, frankly, that they are completely miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be sort of what I would call a, a spiritual parasite. There are people that are miserable. They want you to be miserable too. Uh, so if you have a, a spiritual parasite in your life, how can you tell 
that it's damaging you by maintaining that space in your life for them? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, our bodies tell us a lot of like, but we don't pay a lot of attention to our breathing or like how tense we get. But it's like if you have someone in your life that you don't look forward to seeing them when you're around them, you're like tense and uncomfortable and don't feel good. Your breathing is shallow. Um, that's a, probably a pretty good sign that that person's not very good for your health. Unfortunately, sometimes those people are like in our families or mm-hmm. our close friends or something, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then what you're, what, what to do with that is, is a whole other discussion. But I think a lot of times your, um, I think that your body can give you a lot of clues. Like sometimes our conscious minds are like, I, you know, it's somebody you care about. So you're like, no, I love seeing them. But I think your body will really tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I see our moderator in our live chat says, uh, she says, uh, I choose to be happy. So people watching the show, if you choose to be happy, put that in the live chat too, just uh, I do or something like that real quickly so they can scroll through there. Let's see if anybody else is looking to be happy. But there are, uh, there, happiness is, um, I don't know if that can be titled a spiritual phenomenon. I guess it would be a spiritual phenomenon because it seems like the unhappy people outnumber the happy ones. Uh, and people allow things to make them unhappy. And with the with the sort of cultural wars, I mentioned that earlier, going on, I mean, that's just creating whole groups of unhappy people. People can't be happy if, if this person is elected and they can't be happy if that person is elected. you got this going on all the time. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Is, is 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 happiness a spiritual phenomena, or what would you uh, label that as? I really, really love that idea. I really love that idea. <laughs> happiness is a spiritual phenomena that you can tap into anytime you need it. I mean, I know it's hard, but I think that through um, cultivating spiritual practices, whatever that means for you, which I think for different people, it's different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can get in touch with that because it is a state, right? Happiness is an emotional state, but um, all of our emotional states are probably spiritual in some way. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a commercial that I've <clears throat> seen watching football the other day. Um, a guy is driving and he's got his little girl in the back seat and he drives past a gas station and it shows the gas price and he swears and then she's got she she got this little jar and puts it in front of him. It says swear jar. See, and, he got, and so he's driving. He's got to drop something in there. And then he's driving. And then he comes to another gas station. And the price is even higher. And then she puts that another swear jar there. So <clears throat> I'm thinking, well, I've been depressed like that. I mean, I, I become unhappy when I see the gas prices. So I think I need to reframe that and think, well, here I'm in the Midwest. And you might wonder how there's a cowboy in the Midwest. Well, we've got cowboys here too. But... I gotta, I gotta think. Well, California's paying six, seven dollars a gallon. Where, is that where you're from? Where you at? So how much? Is, how much is your gas out there? Um, yeah, it shot up recently, like the last two weeks. Now it's like maybe five or six dollars. I'm not sure. I, I haven't filled mm-hmm. my tank um in like a week or two weeks. But well, yeah, our, I think it's like six. Yeah, our, ours is a miserable three ninety nine. Oh my god, I would. And, <laughs> I haven't seen 3.99 so, in years. So isn't that isn't that just you talk in the first hour you talk about perception of what yeah. truth is? Well, the truth is that's a much lower price than what the, the West Coast is paying. Um, so I really shouldn't be unhappy. And, and you could say, "Gee, 
I'm only paying five or six, but Europe is paying eight and nine. Yeah. So, again, that's perception. I guess there's somebody's always worse off. But even if there wasn't, I mean, we don't want to miseries. You know, we don't want to be yeah, hoping for that. Like, but You have to get gas. It's like what are you, every time you get gas, are you going to be upset? You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard. Right. And so there, there is a, 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 a sort of a and just a really everyday look at how, as we just agreed, that happiness is a spiritual phenomenon. That if we want spiritual phenomena to happen in our life, then we need to do those mundane little ch- thought changes. As yeah. as Jay said in the live chat, I choose to be happy. So when that price say, hey, you know what? Praise God, I got money to pay for that high price. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, there is a good way of looking at it too. And you know, uh, so. I mean, yeah, I I love that you're saying that because I really really um, try to practice gratitude to the extremes and like. I'm, I may be a weirdo, but like in everything throughout my day, I'll find things, even if I'm, if I, sometimes I'm just happy that I can hear sounds. Like if I'm in the kitchen moving around, like I'll take a moment to even appreciate the fact that um, I can hear the running water, you mm-hmm. know, or like in the, if I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I'm grateful to be waking up in my bed and not the hospital bed, you know, mm-hmm. like little things like that will quickly, quickly shift your perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I've said on this show when I was on Facebook, I got off all social media. Rumble is the only thing I'm on now, but um, because I just feel like it's too combative out there. Uh, so I just didn't want to participate. You talk about being unhappy there. I mean, there's letting people you don't even know, they could say something and affect your attitude. I mean, how, how, why would we allow anything to affect us like that but um you know it's hard to push it away and you know and, and walk happy thoughts all the time but walk out happy thoughts but um i i when i was on facebook this this meme came through and it it was a, a picture of a, somebody in africa who had two empty coke bottles flattened down attached under their feet with a rope for their shoes and the the caption said are you sure you're having a bad day you know so yeah. you you you, you got to you be unthankful I think but I, there you go I think we just added the second one happiness is a spiritual phenomenon and being thankful is a spiritual nom- phenomenon and both of those go against the culture because people take advantage of your unhappiness they want to use your unhappiness as a motivator for you to do certain things they want you to do and in the end they're the beneficiaries of that we have to know that we are being manipulated Every time we read an article, every time we hear somebody on the, coming across the television, they want you to buy something, they want you to think something, and if they're able to manipulate you without you even knowing it, that's the height of it, and they can walk away laughing, uh, then they're going to be the beneficiaries, and you're going to be the loser of that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I think that um, I think that just using these mental pre, um reframing techniques and switching your perspective and kind of trying to ground yourself in the little moments of happiness, even if they're fleeting, but you can keep bringing them back. Right. But I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm so over this culture of consumerism. I'm just so over it. Mm-hmm. I don't know when we're going to realize that buying things will not make But But wait, but wait, if, if you go to, if you go to Macy's and spend $60, <laughs> then you can get a $5 gift and you, no. it, you know, it's like, Wait a minute! I gotta spend that much money, and then I gotta go spend something to get something. I mean, that's kind of a losing situation there. Um, no, it it goes back to what you said. But really, what humans like the holes in us are not going to be filled with material things. Like it's 
really transcendence, right? Or feeling connected to other people. Um, even when we look at health studies, like outcomes for chronic illnesses, the things that really matter are community and connection, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just spirituality. Yeah. Well, if you look at the, the great Dalai Lama, he's walking around in a bed sheet, but you, every time you see him, He's got this big old grin on his face. So happy, I know. <laughs> and you know, he, he didn't have nothing. I think he, he I think he got a show on, on YouTube now though. I don't know. Oh no, avoid the YouTube comments section. Never show him those. <laughs> even, even the great yogi's gotta get some cash sometime, I think. Uh, the Beatles went there. They Beatles went to India. They they were seeking the great yogi. Yeah. Uh, in, inspiration there and then they found out that the great yogi was charging them all kinds of money that wasn't authorized so they i know <laughs> so like hum, wherever there's humans there's corruption okay so uh now so we're looking at this your your book is in our background of course and but it says proof of spiritual phenomena what what the proof publisher do you have chose, the publisher chose the title <laughs> but well the re the way that i but honestly, the publisher chose the title, and mm-hmm. I, I had to uh, <laughs> I had to make it work. But um, the this the book tells the story of how I started this journey, having these experiences, and then I went to look for scientific proof. I wanted the studies, the equation, the evidence that psychic phenomena was real, um, and then eventually that spirituality was real. Because then I was reading about, you know like maybe our consciousness is um, not constrained to our minds. Maybe we're all connected in other ways. So it started off looking for scientific proof. And then over time, I I do talk about in the book that I had um, a lot of experience while I was meditating. I had precognitive visions. I have precognitive dreams. Um, And so I had a lot of, uh, and I had so many amazing out of this world intuitive readings, people telling me things from my past. There's no way they could know. So ultimately, I just kind of hit this crisis point, but then I'm like, you know what? Like I want to add personal proof. I mean, proof is a strong word. We never use that in science, but Mm -hmm. personal proof um, to the toolbox because yes, scientific evidence is nice to have, but like, as we talked about, you can't, I don't know, you can't measure um, everything. And that doesn't mean that my, my experience is wrong, right? It doesn't mean that, that I'm, misperceived <laughs> all those dreams are all are created meaning from all those intuitive readings like that's not true either so that's what the title came to mean for me it's that um that there's different kinds of proof for everyone and that the scientific method is wonderful um but it it can't measure everything mm-hmm. well i can tell you personally looking at the title myself proof of spiritual phenomena whether or not there's actual proof or not, the word proof there was encouraging. When I read it, I I was my my happiness meter went oh this, somebody's got proof, man. So you know something that I believe myself now somebody's got proof. So if somebody says hey Daniel, you know you don't got no proof, I was, yeah, but some people writing books about it, so there's got to be a proof out there. All right, uh, in your researching spiritual phenomena, what is your explanation for answered prayers? Oh, I love that question. Um, for answered prayers so I don't know that I mean I have an answer but I do think that um, as I mentioned I I do believe the universe is participatory or meaning that like we are connected to it and that it's I mean I think of it like as a cosmic intelligence or something like that Um, although I'm constantly Mm. learning and changing Mm. my ideas but so I do think that um, if you ask 
with sincerity um, for things. I mean, obviously not every prayer is answered. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if the conditions are right, and don't ask me what that means because I don't know, mm-hmm. um, I think that sometimes they're answered. But I think a lot of times just the asking is very hard for people for some reason. Um, sometimes it's hard to even know what to ask for. So I actually think there's like taking a moment to congratulate yourself for even finding the right thing to ask for is a beautiful thing too because getting to that that this journey right to get to know to what to ask for Mm -hmm. is even something and shows in my opinion shows the universe that you're thinking about a direction that you're heading and you're asking for guidance and help and Mm -hmm. i do think that um it responds to that Mm -hmm. i i I think a a measurement of, of where we are could be that when we do ask uh if we're if it's if if a prayer seems to be all about us if within that prayer we don't mention somebody else maybe first but if not at least in the conversation the the prayer conversation hey you know you know now I'll, I'll use God here and I'll say hey, you know God um, man I, I really wish you could uh, uh, help help my my bees produce honey because I'm a beekeeper by the way and uh, cool but, but uh, maybe I should say Lord, I know there's a beekeeper that uh, all his bees died. Could you help him out? And if you got some extra, extra stuff, could you? You know, I mean, it's just saying you. you that's I kind love of, that. Kind I of too, love that. So it just seems kind of where you are now. I, in the second case, I'm not particularly there, but I am aware. If I'm always saying, "What can I get something?" without thinking of others first, I just, I'm, I'm you, you can't, you can't trick you. You you say you use the word universe, okay? And I, I'll say God, just for a lot of people listening, it's easier to accept that way. But and we won't argue the difference there. But um, you know, there you're being heard, and it's going somewhere. And so, if you might get a little, there might be something a little extra. It might may your prayer might be more answered than if, if 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 you weren't so selfish in the prayer, I guess is what I'm saying. I do, I like that idea, and you're probably right. I do think that, um, yeah, and I think in our Western, you know, we can culture kind of focus on ourselves a lot, but I think, um, yeah, I think we shouldn't do that. I think we should realize we're more connected and um, that anything, anything you wish for others, um, yeah, like you would hope that they would wish for you too. So mm-hmm. I love that idea. Yeah, and I'm sure there's some people that, that we were missing the great yogi and all them people. Uh, there are people that think of others, um, uh, you know, that give from their lack rather from their abundance. That's another, I'm talking about measurements where we are. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so I admit, you know, my, 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 my shortcomings that I don't think of somebody else first most of the time, but I know that I should. So I'm moving in that direction. You know, I want to move in that direction. I'm speaking it. I'm here. Let myself hear myself say that. Uh, but I don't always so but if you're just kind of searching kind of moving in a direction you can tell where you're at if you're already there then if you're already there think you think of others before you you say your personal prayer then I would say that's a probably a more spiritual person and you know a person that is you know maybe doesn't need to have another uh, uh, another life to to work it Um, out they might be already there I love that and actually This is great because I just thought of something I read this week that I loved that um, is is ties back to the happiness that we were talking about earlier. So I was reading there's this like 
um, list I found, someone sent me a link. It's like 50 things that you can do for others that will make you feel ha- make you feel happier. And I guess some research has shown that um, doing things for others and being of service to others actually makes you feel amazing. Um, but there was all these really cute things, and it's got me thinking all week about it. Like you could, if you buy coffee, um, pay for the person behind you, or if you go to a restaurant, pick up the tab of like another table. And um, I actually saw an article that that happened at a diner on Christmas Eve, like a couple started it. And then the whole restaurant just kept doing it throughout the night, like everyone picked up someone else's tab. And I just loved that idea so much. And I thought, just imagine if we all did that for each other all the Mm -hmm. time, like you'd get surprises you know mm-hmm. throughout the day or throughout mm-hmm. your week and um and it does feel really good to to do things for other people right when they're not expecting it mm-hmm. um they're like you know full of gratitude and it makes you feel good and and then you've helped well, somebody so well that, great. there may not be scientific proof for that but certainly i think we can all agree that's a that's a truth we i think that's a truth we were looking for a, a truth in different yeah. subjects i think that's a truth and it always seems that you you receive more than you ever give. Um, and I'll tell you what, though. Here, let me give you mm-hmm. g- give you a story. You, you mentioned paying for coffee, um, so I've done that, and it's it's a great deal. It, you know, go through that drive-through and say, I want to pay for the person behind it. Now, I, I don't stick around because I feel like if I'm getting a blessing somewhere, I don't want to announce it because then it'd be selfish, and I'm like I'm trying to barter barter with the universe or barter with God and say, look how good I am. I don't want any of that. I want to drop a good deed. I want to drop a blessing and move and get out and just. You know, let whatever yeah. happens happens, and not even think about it because if you do, then that's a selfish reason in and of itself. You know, I don't want right. to do that for selfish reasons, and I don't want to right. do it for self-aggrandizement either. So I don't even like mm-hmm. talking about it to you, but I do want to say what happened in one instance because I want people to be thinking that way. That's part of this show. Um, so I paid for the person behind it, took off, and and I I ended up getting caught at a light. The person behind me caught me at the light. And, you know, I try to get across that light because I don't want, you know, I don't want any gratitude. I just, that's not what I'm doing. But he wrote out a one. He said, hey, 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 hey. I said, I said, yeah, what, what's up? He goes, he goes, you're not believing it. I go, what? He goes, I was in the drive-thru and I realized I forgot my wallet. I didn't have any money to pay. Oh my God. And they said, the guy ahead of you just paid for it. He said, I can't believe this happened to me. So. Wow. You know, and that's 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 where that's where the, that's where we need to head for. That's where we're, spiritual that's why I see spiritual phenomena as a as a as a reason to be alive and to to have that part of your life that's more of that than less of the consumerism, like you said, suggested earlier. I think it uh, that gives you a better internal happiness. There's so many benefits from that. So, all right. So, yeah. so do you have do you, do you have a tip? We've mentioned. I guess we're giving some tips about. Uh, how to proceed, and we've we've mentioned that uh, happiness is a spiritual phenomena, and Thanksgiving is uh, thinking of others. I, I that didn't have a specific title, but that sounds like a, I'm putting everything under that title, man. I'm con- <laughs> I'm connecting to this whole thing. Yeah. Um. So, it, it as from a, from a scientist, you battle with you would it seems like you'd have your scientific mind, and you would have your sort of spiritual mind. And they've, they've got to reason and battle things out in your life. Which one is kind of ahead right now? <laughs> uh, I think it goes back and forth. But, I mean, I try to keep them even. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I try to I try to 
I try to keep them even. I mean, I think the balance of both is important, you know, and sometimes um, I, I like originally when I went through this thing, oh my God, my scientific brain was killing me. Um, you know, and actually that's one of the biggest insights I had was why do we kill these meaningful spiritual moments for ourselves just because the worldview or whatever, like Western mainstream culture, like laughs off <laughs> spirituality, you know, like if I have a huge coincidence or the angel voice story, like I brushed it off. I could have reveled in it. I could have felt comforted, um, you know, and at the time I don't, I don't know that I did, but if I tell you, if that happened to me now, I would let it comfort me and I would, I would allow it, you know? And so I, my biggest like thing to people is embrace the mystical, the spiritual, whatever it is. I mean, you know, keep one mm -hmm. foot on earth, but don't, don't um, deprive yourself of those be beautiful moments of meaning because they're, they're meant for us. I think. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, in the first hour, what you described as uh, a dark night, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, and I don't know how, how long was it, were you referring to a single night or were you talking? Oh, about? no. Uh, the, the dark night of the soul. No, that was like a year. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> okay. long night. Well, that's great because that's where my question was leading to. Uh, you know, you had, I thought, well, okay, you had a dark night, but for some, they're in a position where they are having dark years and they would have to make a dramatic decision to end that dark those dark years uh how do you know when to or if you should at all to end it mm -hmm. what do you mean by end it well i guess in this case here we're talking about a relationship oh didn't know what you said yours was a dark night relationship issue mm -hmm. okay yeah yeah okay was it forced upon you or did you did you end the dark night uh, no, it was, um, he left, <laughs> so left the country. So, um, yeah, it was, and it, it wasn't. No, that's a hard question. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to get that question. So if you want to take a pass, go right ahead. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't know. It was, it was, um, I, I mean, I, I have come to be appreciative of the events, right? I have come to look at it as, the greatest teacher of my life, um, mm -hmm. even though I wish I had never had to go through it. Right. But for me, it woke me up to, it, it was the relationship that was the event, but it wasn't that really the problem. The problem was that I was missing all of this for my life. Right. It's that I didn't embrace these, these meaningful moments. I didn't find meaning in anything. That was my crisis was I would wake up everybody and say, what is the point of all of this? What is the point of all of this? Mm -hmm. Because you know, the Western worldview or the scientific vision of the universe is that it's dead, random and meaningless. And so when you are in crisis um, and then you're told that your crisis is random, sorry, that's your problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, to get out of it, you need to find meaning for yourself. I mean, just talk about digging yourself into more despair. <laughs> like, how is mm -hmm. that comforting? It's not. Mm -hmm. And so that, um, just that event woke me up to that. That was what was making me sad. That's what was the problem because mm -hmm. in times of challenge, I didn't have any framework to understand why am I going through this challenge? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, but now I do now I think it's for me, you know, it's for growth. It'll 
make me better. Like life is for happiness mm-hmm. and also for challenges. It's impossible that we'll go through life without challenges, but it's what you make of it. Right. Mm. Um, so for me, that's what it was. Um, I don't know if that answered your question, but <laughs> well, yeah, I don't want to go down too far there. Cause I don't want to be saying something on the show that's going to make somebody make a decision and say, Hey man, I heard it on the edge and they said I should do this. So I don't want that going on. I I, I would just say, hang in there. And I mean, uh, you know, it's like, I think that, um, I think that if you can, it's what we talked about too. It's that mental reframing. If you can find a reason for whatever situation is for, like there's a way that you can think about it that will help you move forward. There is, there always is. Mm -hmm. Um, now, have you ever read the Bible? Parts of it. Okay. In so we were, we were just talking about. I gave you that life example there of uh, of that uh, Starbucks thing, but there's one scripture in there that says, uh, um, uh, "Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down, shaking together, so much so that you cannot contain it." Now that I did, I paid for that coffee, but I did I didn't get payment back the later in the day. Uh, good measure pressed down shaking together running over in the monetary sense but i did in the the wow sense in the life sense in the a light was shined on my path you're heading in the right direction daniel path that's where that's what i got good measure pressed down shaking together running over so much so i couldn't even contain it i couldn't believe that happened uh and i may i could have very easily thought not to do it and in fact to be honest with you I almost did it because I saw the person was driving a Cadillac. And I was thinking, no, nah, I want to get the, give us a beat up truck. You know, I started deciding what kind of vehicle. And then I thought, no, wait, where are you, what are you thinking, Daniel? Just do it. Okay. Just do it like it is. Don't be trying to manipulate this thing if you're going, you know. Right, so, right. but again, when I'm talking about, I talked earlier about self measurement of where, where I am, you know, well, I, I, that was a hard lesson for me. So I, I've moved on and now I, I won't do that again. But, you know, so, you know, but I had to go through that thought process to creep up right. a little bit to have right thinking. But anyway, the returns for spiritual phenomena, the returns for uh, doing random acts of kindness is may not come to you monetarily, but there's something worth much more than that, and that's your personal happiness and well-being. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was in a nursing home one time, and I was telling this story here that there seemed like there two kinds of people in there. I mean, I saw people that had the exact same condition in a wheelchair and one person would be really, you're trying to get me. What are you doing here? You know, and then another one like would maybe be missing an arm and giving me happiness and thankfulness when I'm trying to do something for them. And I end up getting the receiving. So wait, this is not supposed to go like this. I'm supposed to be, you know, bring some cheer to you. And I mean, I end up getting, getting it from them. I'm thinking, you know, so this, this is a, a life, um, yeah, you, yeah. So, you never know what people are, you know, going through or the opposite. Like they could seem like they're, you know, somebody could have nothing and they could be happy, the happiest person mm-hmm. you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's all perspective. So if you were to write your next book, what would it be about? Um, I am looking, so I, as I mentioned, I'm really interested in altered states of consciousness. Um, so psychedelics and breath work and meditation and um, hypnagogia, which is that state between sleep and wake, wakefulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, these states are really healing for us, actually. And so I'm looking into the research around that. Um, I'm also interested in how, like, actually in, 
in our field, there's a huge gap between neuroscience and psychology and like they don't really talk to each other that well. Mm-hmm. So I'm really interested in like, how do you actually heal people and what does that mean? Um, but pulling in spiritual practices. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking at that mm-hmm. through personally trying all this stuff. Mm. So, so are, are you liable to take some DMT? Yeah, I I actually did. Oh, man. Well, let us know, man. What, what happened? Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, I died. <laughs> and then I became the entire universe, all of space and time, the whole thing. So I didn't exist anymore. Um, my self disappeared. And then I just became the entire universe. I saw all of it. I was all of it. Um, so it was very transcendent and incredible. And um, when I came back, down to earth I was so grateful to be alive <laughs> I was so grateful to be alive like and the only thing I thought of in the experience when I thought I had died was my friends and family and you know I felt all of that like oh my god I didn't get to say goodbye um so I felt all that so when I came back that was a realization for me that um I thought I died and the only thing I thought about were the people that I love, the connections that I have. I didn't think about my accomplishments, my achievements, my, you know, my belongings, mm-hmm. nothing. It was just the people. Um, so it was, I mean, I was, I woke up grateful. I mean, I still wake up grateful as I mentioned, but I mean, after that mm-hmm. trip, I was like kissing the ground. <laughs> like I was so, so happy. So, so it was so much fun nearly dying. You want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of what you said too, right? Like near-death experiences. It was it was a near-death experience. So mm-hmm. I think that these states, while sometimes challenging, if you want to look at it that way, um, they ultimately bring a lot of gifts and a lot mm-hmm. of perspective, mm-hmm. and I well, think they're extremely valuable. Now, I'm, I'm sure you you considered the the dangers involved in such activity. Uh, I mean, um, I, I had one guest on the show that went down that route and we were discussing how that he met other people that were out there and he said that uh, he had the ability to go into somebody return to another body that wasn't even his so i don't know if that that you know you, you may not have got to that point i don't even know who's out there could be a one-off situation but there's that and then you know you you could literally die i mean so how do you where's your safeguard at here mona um, well, with, um, so psychedelics are actually pretty safe. Um, believe me, I'm a type A scientist, so I did my research. <laughs> I, okay. I mean, not only did I read all the papers, but I interviewed a lot of people before I did anything. So yeah, they're not addictive and they're, they're actually pretty safe. I mean, there's a few contraindications with, you know, things like SSRIs, but, um, I'm not, you know, I was careful, but there's mm-hmm. very few, um, deaths. Uh, the biggest, I think, um, I'm sorry, um, risk is Mm -hmm. if you have, um, uh, if you tend to be on the spectrum possibly for psychotic symptoms, it could trigger those. So they, you know, usually if you go someplace safe, they'll screen for all of that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, believe me, I did my research. (laughs) Well, I got some some more, I got some more research for you. Somebody in the live chat said they tried it and they had bad entities tormenting them for hours well hours on dmt 
I'm not sure what they took, but here's the question though. Yeah, yeah, it was D, it was it was DMT. Um, so so I mean yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yikes. there's always a risk, of course, of course, yeah. yeah. Okay, so so you so you want to go into another realm as a scientist, kind of like, again, back to the contact Jodie Foster. She wanted to go out in space to 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 see the our space creators, and come back. Now she was able to come back, but when she came back, as as you know the story goes, she didn't have any proof, and uh, it was qu- quite the quite the twist because she says. To believe in God, she required proof in the beginning, and in the end, she couldn't offer any proof that she went anywhere to see anybody out there, out there in in the space command. So you, as a scientist, you might go out there into some other dimension or realm, but when you come back, somebody's going to say, "Well, you were just on drugs, you know, narcotics, psychedelics. You that's not any kind of proof at all. How would you offer proof that you were that these things indeed happened to you?" Yeah, I mean it. It'll be it'll be difficult, but I do say um, with regard to psychedelic trips. So sometimes on psychedelic trips, people get information that turns out to be true, and that's one way that you can verify it for other people. So, for example, ayahuasca is a is an mm-hmm. indigenous brew that a lot of people have in South America, um, and so. There's been many reports on ayahuasca. You're, you're like deep in the jungle, and no communication with like the world. Um, but they'll, have, you know, see an, um, a, a, a spirit or whatever you want to call it. They'll see somebody they know who has come and says mm-hmm. like, you know, goodbye or tell, you know, Uncle um, Jim that the lighter that he's looking for is under the seat in the study or something like that. And they'll mm-hmm. be on their way. And then the person comes out and they're like, that was weird. And in their, their mind, that person is alive. But then they go home, find out the person passed away at the same time they took the mm-hmm. trip, and then they give the message to the uncle, they find the lighter. Um, and that's what you call a veridical event. Like it's a verifiable, you know, if the information you get is true. And there's many, many stories like this mm-hmm. from psychedelic trips and from other states, altered mm-hmm. states of consciousness. And mm-hmm. I think those stories are important because they do show that sometimes, at least sometimes, um, you're tapping into something, some information that mm-hmm. you wouldn't have had access to otherwise, and it's true. Uh, alter alter states could also be considered in the near death experience where people say they float above their bodies, but then you know and they're maybe dead, clinically dead, and but they'll come back to life and they'll say exactly what people were saying and doing. So yeah, they exactly. that sounds like sort of an somebody could say that's a altered state there. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I would think somebody had that experience would also be thankful they were able to come back. Yes. Yeah. These things really put things into perspective. Now, did you know? <laughs> did you know, being a scientist, that 25% of all near-death experiences are near-hell experiences? I did not know that. Yeah, where people come back and they had the. Uh, in fact, I've had numbers of people on the show that, that again, that were rabid atheists that had near-death and came back, but said the reason they, it wasn't because they were shown, for those people, it wasn't because they were shown a, a heaven situation, it's because they went to a hell situation. And they thought, I don't, I don't, I don't want to go there. So when they come back to yeah. life, their 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 life is completely changed. Um, That's so. interesting. I mean, same outcome, I guess, right? Still positive outcome when they come back, but challenging experience, I'm sure. Well, that's that's another thing because I, I was saying earlier, I'd I'd rather not have a near death experience, especially if it's a horror show like that, you know? Because yeah. what what if you check out and you really and that locks you in? 
I mean, we're talking about the people who got came back. Not everybody who ha- dies on on the table has a near death. Sometimes it's it's actual death. Right, so, yeah. so where do you think you go when you die? Where do we go? I think, honestly, I experienced death on my DMT trip, and it wasn't that bad, guys. It just became the whole universe. <laughs> so um, uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it because I liked that experience. So mm-hmm. I hope that's what happens. <laughs> mm. Okay. Well, uh, Mona, we're getting near the end of the broadcast. Uh, what would you like to tell the people kind of wrapping this thing up in our conversation? Yeah, um, just as I mentioned before, I I think that, um, I mean, for me personally, it's to stay open-minded and to stay curious. My new personal mantra is stay radically curious and just Mm -hmm. keep learning and listening to other people's perspectives. And, you know, I thought I had it all right with my previous worldview. And now I think I was short-sighted. So now I just want to keep learning. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do. And I just encourage people to embrace um, the mystical and the spiritual and lean into it. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned uh, earlier, or I mentioned earlier about the, the uh, uh, people in prison and how their lives were changed uh, by uh, accepting Jesus and that. So you can put that in your quiver uh, that when you if you're dealing with people that people, maybe somebody will sp- seek you out say you know I need I need to change in my life and I've tried several things that's just another thing you can tell them say you know yeah. there there is that and and I say there's proof because changed lives is proof enough for me I mean especially if you've got a hardened criminal or a hater of some kind mm-hmm. uh, you know and their life completely yeah. changes something is changing that there's that's some kind of spiritual phenomenon as far as I'm concerned that's affecting them in a positive way. Absolutely. I will put that in my in my quiver. All righty. All right. Let's, before we let you go, let's check our poll question. How much spiritual activity is happening in your life? Choices are none at all. Happens every day. Can't tell what's happening. Does demonic activity count? Let's see what we got. All right. Uh, we went up there, Bona. 90% of the people say, the respondents say spiritual things are happening every day. 4%. That went down. Uh, 4% say nothing at all. And if, but but then again we got four percent said um, can't tell what's happening. Well, we're gonna pray for them. We're gonna <laughs> oh, we're gonna, no. we're, we're gonna yeah. lift them up in our prayers. You remember we were talking earlier how we maybe yeah. pray for somebody else first. So yeah. we're gonna pray yeah. for them people that can't tell what's happening, and then uh, and then we'll then we'll ask ask God to help us understand what's happening in our life too. All right. Well, Mona Sabani, I appreciate you coming on the Edge broadcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. We'll let you go. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. All right, everybody, that was Mona Sabani talking about proof of spiritual phenomena. And-